is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jacob, I've got the injury report right here in front of me. Uh oh. There is a lot of names on this injury report. I'm Tom Opperman. That is Jacob Rex, who just said, uh oh. And this is the this is the Steelers Standard here on Steelers Podcast Network and Steelers Nation Radio. And you know, going into the season. Pittsburgh Steelers were really healthy for the most part. The big injury was Steph Tewitt, obviously, and Zach Banner. You could throw his name in there as well as a big injury. But other than that, they were, for the most part, healthy. And that was an advantage that they had over, say, a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Well, that advantage has really gone by the wayside in this past week after that Raiders game. Let's start with the good news first, and let's start with the guys that we think are most likely going to be back for this one. And yeah, I mean, on that list, Tom, you do see a lot of guys who were full participants yesterday, which and some key guys who you were without this past week, so it's good to know that they'll probably be back this week. Two of the members of the groin gang, as people have been like to call <laughs> I them. Like T.J. Watt was limited, uh, but the two members that were full participants, like you mentioned, were Joe Hayden and Devin Bush. So obviously we can't give you a guarantee here as we record this on a Friday morning because we didn't know about Joe Hayden until 10 minutes before kickoff against the Raiders. We didn't know about Devin Bush until the day of the Raiders game before pregame workouts. So you can't take our word as a 100% guarantee here, but I would venture a guess that it looks like they're going to get Hayden and Bush back on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important because – you don't want to see Robert Spillane out there, and you don't want to see guys like Miles Killebrew or Witherspoon out there. Just guys in your secondary who— Justin you, Lane. Justin Lane. You expect to be— Who did not practice with an Achilles players. injury, so he might not be available anyway. So maybe you will see a lot more Witherspoon than you're willing to, to witness. But it's good to see Big 2-3 out there because he's, without a doubt, the, the leader of that secondary— uh, he's got the most experience, and he's he's getting older, but to me, Tom, he really is not taking that big of a leap back in terms of most people do at his age. So glad to see that Joe Hayden could return in what could be a key AFC North game. Well, you mentioned, you know, well, we don't want to have Robert Splane have to play, and that's 100% accurate, but also what you don't have to do if Bush is a go is pull Joe Schobert up from that number two linebacker mm-hmm. role and make him a number one linebacker. He had to take on the number one inside linebacker spot in Devin Bush's absence against the Raiders. He did it on short notice. Like we said, you didn't really know it was going to happen with Bush until the day of the game, really. And he made some okay plays, but you got to call it like it is. He was underwhelming for his second appearance as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Didn't play really that great of a game. Waller beat him a couple times. That's going to happen. Darren Waller's a freak of nature. But there were some big, big uh, times the Steelers needed to stop, uh, especially I'm thinking about that pass to Waller late in the game uh, that really iced it for the Raiders, putting them in Steelers territory, setting up the final field goal from Daniel Carlson. Uh, that's a play where I think Schobert, just if he turns his head around, I think he's able to knock the ball away from Waller there. Was not able to get his head around. Waller makes the big catch, and that was pretty much all she wrote after that point. So when you have to move guys up on the depth chart, you saw the same thing with Witherspoon and Lane in the secondary. You know, It's that trickle-up effect almost where you pull from your depth, and sometimes depth guys are just better being depth guys, and their impact is felt more 
when they're not necessarily on the field too much of the time. And I think Schobert is also one of those guys. Uh, I think he had number one potential when he was in Cleveland and made a Pro Bowl. And I think in Jacksonville he was the number one just because it's Jacksonville. But he's probably best suited in his NFL career moving forward as that number two guy, that second fiddle to a Batman. Especially on a team like the Steelers where you have so many pieces, you don't have to rely on Joe Schobert to be one of your best defenders available to you. And the Batman is Devin Bush. He was gone on Sunday. It makes Schobert have to put on that cape. And he just, it's not, it's not in the cards for the Steelers for him to be doing that, especially when his sidekick is now Robert Spillane. So that trickle up, I think, uh, obviously you saw it affect the secondary and we'll get to that but I think the trickle up in the inside linebacking room is is one of the more detrimental ones for this defense yeah I agree I just thought of this in my head you kind of go from Batman and Robin and Devin Bush and Joe Schobert to Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy that's really Joe, good Jacob with Joe Schobert that's good and, Jacob and Robert Spillane quite a night and day difference and I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's kind of upsetting because I thought when Joe Schobert was brought in, it wasn't just to emphasize that Robert Spillane isn't great and you need someone else in that position. I thought Joe Schobert was a legitimate upgrade from that, but seeing him on Sunday when it was him paired with Robert Spillane, you, I don't want to say he got exposed, but he's kind of more of a player of which Yes, he is going to be a best suited as a number two or three guy, not necessarily your number one guy. And to me, I, I was kind of disappointed because I thought when he was brought in, he, even if Devin Bush went down, he was going to be good enough to be the number one guy. Yeah, I, I was hopeful of that being the case, too. I mean, like we said, he made a Pro Bowl in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. so And his past coverage skills were really what people harped on as far as one of his bigger strengths. And it still is a big strength for him. It's just I, I think he gets overutilized when a guy like Bush goes down and that's not he gets put into a position that you don't want him to be in. Similarly, in the back end, number thirty nine, Minka. I think he had one of his worst games as the Steeler against the Raiders, mm -hmm. but I think that's a product of he just felt like he needed to do way too much out there. He needed to come up and cover Waller. Mm -hmm. That was the guy that there they was, wanted on Waller. There was a lot. one guy that you had to plan for and that was Darren Waller. And there was one guy you had the absolute utmost confidence to cover him and that's Minka Fitzpatrick. So on a key third down, you assume it, it what was it, third, third down and, and ten. It was third and ten in their own territory. You assume they're gonna go to Darren Waller because he's giving you the best chance to get you that mid range yardage. And Derek Carr just made a great play call went to Henry Ruggs, and you cannot blame Minka. He had his eyes on Waller, and he just wasn't able to lock up the secondary, and it was Witherspoon who allowed Henry Ruggs to run right past him. And you saw Minka made, make a diving effort to kind of stop No, Minka it. goes towards the line of scrimmage. He creeps towards the line of scrimmage pre-snap. Then he takes a couple steps aggressively towards the line of scrimmage. And then it's almost like he realizes, oh, bleep, I know what's going on. And he tries to hightail it back into the center field spot. But that's where you want Minka kind of roaming, is in that center field area. Exactly. And I, that's why I'm not going to put too much blame for him. No, 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 game. no. I'm saying, though, that that trickle-up effect really hurts him mm -hmm. because it takes your best player in your secondary and you overextend him and he's trying to cover all the spots on the field because he's got to make up for the absence of your number one corner in Hayden. And unfortunately, that just – it came back – for the most part, I think they were doing okay managing it, although Carr was really starting to light it up in the second half. But it, it completely bit them in the behind on the Henry Ruggs play because I think normally 
if Hayden's out there, you probably although see that the tricky thing is is Waller because even if Hayden was out there, then maybe Minka does creep up a little bit. And I guess your hope is Hayden can bracket rugs on his own and keep him behind him and not let him get behind him too much if, if he's yeah. out there as opposed to Witherspoon. But when Minka's in that center field spot, that's when he can ball hawk. That's when he can make life a living hell for quarterbacks. You, who knows if Minka's back there and and a couple of yards behind uh, where he ended up being at the beginning of that play? You don't even know if if Carr even looks that way. He might see Minka dropping back into coverage deep, and he might go to someone underneath instead. So and let's be honest, we would take a, a ten yard first down gain obviously. on that play over the sixty one yard pass of Henry Ruggs and. That could easily just been their only first down on that drive, and the Steelers shut them out. Don't let them get a big gainer, but that's not what happened because Minka Fitzpatrick was was left having to do too much to cover the rest of the defense that was very depleted. Well, let's all hold our breath and just hope that these practice reports hold up. And Hayden, Bush, both are full goes for the game against the Bengals this Sunday at Heinz Field. Uh, Bush has been a full participant in practice all week. Wednesday he was full. Yesterday he was full. Hayden was limited on Wednesday, and then yesterday was upgraded to full. So both those guys moving in the right direction as far as playing on Sunday. So before we move on, you got to wonder what happened to Devin Bush. If he's been fine all week long, something just must have been tweaked that could not be adjusted in time for the game on Sunday. It also makes me wonder is it also makes me wonder if if this is a AFC Championship game. Does he play? But since it's week two, does the medical staff say, Correct. let's relax this. We don't want to, you know, shoot you up for this game. Also, let's at just... the time, you weren't without T.J. Watt. Joe Hayden was also— Alu, Alu was healthy still. Tyson yeah. was still in there. Joe Hayden was still— Planning up. Joe Hayden participated in pregame warm-ups. Exactly. So, so you—Devin Bush, you could have won that game without just Devin Bush. It or at least so that was probably your mindset. It just so happened to be that you also lost Joe Hayden before the game started, and then you lost in-game Tyson Alalalu and T.J. Watt. And you got to think that the coaching staff, the medical staff, sitting here saying, listen, we lost you last year for the entire season almost to injury, and it, it, it hurt our defense immensely. Let's just miss you for one game— Instead of forcing the issue here, mm-hmm. maybe you tackle someone wrong out of bounds, you really pull that groin, and now all of a sudden you're out five to six weeks and we got to put you on IR. That's, we, they're avoiding that too, I think. Right, and we know what the after effect was of losing Devin Bush. The run defense was night and day better with Devin Bush than it was without last year. I think their first game without Devin Bush, or the game he went down was Cleveland. The very next game, I think, was was the Baltimore game, maybe two weeks later, where Baltimore ran for, what, 297 yards or something yes. on them. So. We know what this defense looks like against the run with and without Devin Bush, and they did a good job of stopping the run. Granted, the Raiders were without Josh Jacobs, but still the, the defense did a good job of containing Josh uh, Kenyon Drake. It just so happened that Derek Carr had an incredible day. It seems that every time the Raiders go up against the Steelers in the Derek Carr era, Derek Carr is having career days. Derek Carr it? looks like a Hall of Famer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone was saying he looks like Daryl LaMonica dipped in <laughs> Kenny Stabler. I think it was Tim Benz who was saying that to me. But, yeah, he, he comes to play against the uh, the Steelers. But I, as I said to Tim when he said that to me, to be fair, he comes to play against a lot of teams. He just is very injury-prone, and I think that puts that stigma around him but that you he's not that great. With a great pass defense pr- provided by the Steelers that could negate a good day yes. from Derek Carr, and it if, doesn't happen. If your starting corner is healthy. I that's think that's fair. a huge factor that's in fair. that. 
Two guys that most likely will not be playing on Sunday. In fact, I would venture a guess and say they will be out. Linebacker Alex Highsmith with a groin injury did not participate in practice at all this week, yesterday or Wednesday. And Deontay Johnson with that knee injury did not practice either day either. So expect to be without Deontay this Sunday as well. Just a little food for thought as well to throw that in here. Carlos Davis didn't play against the Raiders in Week 2 after having a pretty nice game against the Bills Week 1. He did not practice at all this week with his knee injury at all, so I expect Carlos Davis to also be out too for the second straight week. But we're talking Highsmith, we're talking Johnson. Highsmith had this groin injury throughout preseason and in training camp too, and you know it was kind of a thing that he was able to work his way through, uh, played in preseason games, but dealt with a little bit of a nagging injury throughout the camp process, and it seems like that has cropped its head up again here for him. Uh, big opportunity for him if T.J. Watt were not going to be able to play in this game. We'll get to Watt in a little bit, and that's gone by the wayside now because Highsmith's in worse shape than T.J. Watt is. Yeah, and during the preseason when we were monitoring this issue, we were saying to ourselves, is it really that big of a deal because now you have Melvin Ingram and it shouldn't be that detrimental to you? And now that we're here in the regular season, we see how important it is to have all three guys of your of your edge guys in, in TJ Highsmith and, and Melvin Ingram healthy because you you know what you can do with the combination of those three on the field together. I mean, I know three is better than two, and I, I don't want to – make this too easy of a comparison but the combination of those three guys to me is far better than the combination of just tj water and bud dupree granted it's three against two but i still think that when you have those three guys and you don't really know where that third one is coming from that creates a lot of uncertainty for the opposing quarterback and now with the possibility of losing tj this week which we'll talk about later and highsmith you're putting it all on on um Melvin Ingram, and that's kind of similar to the conversation we were having earlier about Joe Schobert. You're comfortable having him on your team. You're comfortable having him come in for a couple of plays, maybe 50 to 40% of your snaps, but you don't want him to be your starter. You, 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 you want TJ to be the starter because TJ deserves to be that starter, and you want Alex Highsmith to be that second fiddle alongside of Melvin Ingram. You don't want either of those guys to be your number one edge defender, especially when the number one edge defender is out and the 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 partner in crime between Ingram and Highsmith, one of those two guys is also out. You're leaving it all on the table for just one of them. That is not going to be an easy day for whoever it is who plays alone. You gave credit all offseason, and when I say you, I mean everybody out there, ourselves included. What a great job Colbert did addressing depth of positions of need, and, and Melvin Ingram was obviously one of the big spots, the big ads there, and it's a great thing that he did because they're they're definitely calling on that depth now, but it's almost like now it's like gone by the wayside if two of your starting outside linebackers Could you are imagine out, what the scene would look like if Colbert hadn't gone out and signed got Melvin Ingram? Ingram. It's just There's Jameer a potential Jones? it would have been Jameer Jones, and then they probably keep Quincy Roche, and those two are your starting outside linebackers oh against the, the Bengals this week. So at least you have Melvin Ingram to fall back on and – Please, for the love of God, put him in bubble wrap today, tomorrow, pregame warm-ups. I don't want a Hayden Bush scenario happening with right. him. They can't afford it. They need number eight desperately. The problem with number eight, though, is we just were talking about those guys that 
they're better when they're depth pieces. They're better when their roles are limited. And Melvin Ingram, once upon a time, was a T.J. Watt type of guy, a number one pass rusher. That's not who he is anymore. He's coming off of one of the worst injuries of his career last season, missed a majority of the season for the L.A. Chargers. Now he's here, and his best suited role is number three, the guy that comes off the bench, the Swiss Army knife. He can line up inside. He can line up all over the places, give the defense headaches. He can line up or, excuse me, give the line. offense headaches to deal yeah. with. When they played the Bills, you saw how effective he was as that number three guy with Highsmith and Watt being one and two. Now he might end up being the number one guy. And, again, it's, it's a lot better than Jameer Jones or Roche being the number one guy, but it's still not ideal for the Steelers. And it's not only that he's going to be number one and Highsmith is number two. It's he's going to be number one, and your only other remaining member on your active roster right now who's line, who's described as an outside linebacker is Jameer Jones. So it's not just, it's not just okay, you're, you're now forced to play to start Highsmith and Ingram opposite of each other. No, it's just Ingram, and you have to put Jameer Jones out there. Deontay Johnson, the other guy that I think is a good bet to not play this Sunday against the Bengals, uh, this is the injury that it, it really grinds your gears because the there more— There was absolutely no, no need for it no, to happen. No reason for him to be out there. Um, y- you hate to throw this accusation out there, but it seemed like it was stat accumulation. It seemed like, let's get this guy over 100 yards— I know that there's big implications come contract time. Oh, I have so and so many hundred yard performances and blah 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 blah. You get that pay boost. But it really kind of smells like uh, Antonio Brown five catches for fifty yards kind of thing. Just an an easy pass to him to get that record. And same thing with Deontay. You're sitting there thinking, well, what can go wrong? Well, what went wrong is his knee got mangled to hell, and now you're probably definitely. I know that's a bit of an oxymoron, but again, we, we can't completely say 100% he's out, but you're, you're most likely out, Deontay Johnson, your number one wide receiver against the Cincinnati Bengals this week because of a meaningless play. If Deontay gets hurt in the middle of the game when it's still a ball game, there's nothing, you can, do. There's nothing you can do about yeah, it. We're right. sitting here and our tune is, wow, that's really unfortunate. you got to f- figure out how James Washington can help contribute now as he moves up the depth chart. Is Ray Ray going to get a little bit more run? But we can't even really get to that point in the conversation because you're just so mad at the fact that he shouldn't have even... That should have been a ball to Ray Ray. That should have been a ball to some fourth-string, who cares, tight end. Just throw Gentry out there and throw him the ball, for God's sake. In no way, shape, or form should you be throwing the ball to your number one wide receiver. The wide receiver who pl- really was the only one that played a good game against the Raiders as well. It's, it's a bad coaching decision for a coach that's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Yeah, it... it... I don't really know if it was even – I don't really know who to blame here, Tom. Was it Deontay saying, get me the ball, get me the ball? Was it Tomlin? Well, even if it was Deontay saying that, you're the head coach. You're supposed to right. protect the players from themselves. Why not just take the knee? I mean, or, 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 or just, just take run the, the ball, the penalty, throw it to Ray Ray. Do and it. just take, take, the, take the time runoff penalty and, and just have it be done. There's no need to make any legitimate play. It's not a one-score game. It's a two-score game with only, what, 20 seconds left there's no need to go out there and as soon as he was on that sideline and he's sitting down you're thinking oh no 
And, and all the coaches will come out and they'll say, you know, you play until the very end. Like winning teams will play until the final whistle, no matter what the score is, no matter what the odds are. And I will say to them, yeah, that sounds great if we're in high school. That sounds great if we're in college, maybe. Where you have to prove yourself to be an NFL-level player. You're there. This is the NFL. If you're down by two scores late, it's okay to punt on the game. You don't have to outright just be like, well, we done, we lost. But you don't have to throw it to Deontay Jones. You can just run the ball with Benny Snell until the clock goes out. No one's going to be on Good Morning Football the next day and be like, I can't believe Tomlin quit on the game by just running the ball. You know what they said on Good Morning Football is, I can't believe they ran a real play and and risked – Injury. And then, and then and then get injured and then get injured on the play. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, again, you want to give me that coach speak of you play till the final whistle. That's great when you're in high school and you're trying to build character of men here, not just coach a football team. It's that freaking NFL. They don't need any more character being built. They they like you said, they got there. They're professionals. But Deontay Johnson, Alex Highsmith, those two guys most likely out. Turning to the guys that I have hope will play. Ben Roethlisberger, I, I think that's Before a pretty much on, guarantee Tom? that Ben's playing. Before we move on to Ben, which do you think would be more harmful to be without in terms of missing, Alex Highsmith or Deontay Johnson? If T.J. Watt's healthy, Alex Highsmith, we can do without him. Uh, if T.J. Watt's out, then probably we need Alex Highsmith more than Deontay Johnson. It all comes down to that Watt question, yeah. though. And... We'll talk about Ben first because I think Ben is is gonna play. Right. I, I think this is a, a Ben, you know, story for a classic Ben story. I mean, I do believe he has a pec injury. I'm not saying he's faking it, but I'm just saying, you know, he's capable. He he's loves. Through let's be honest. He loves the attention, and he seems <laughs> to somehow he does. play a little bit better when he has these kind of injuries, these adversities. So limited the chip on his limited shoulder. in practice on Thursday. Did not practice on Wednesday. That's normal, though. That's usually his Ben's day off. So Wednesday, you shouldn't expect him to practice on a healthy week. Uh, the fact that he was limited yesterday is a good sign. And, again, I just think Ben, he's a warrior. He's going to tough it out. I, if I had to bet on one of the two limited guys to practice, I'd put my money on Ben other than the other guy, T.J. Watt, who's been limited both on Wednesday and Thursday. Looks to be trending in the right direction but I still seem to just have pause as far as his status for the game on Sunday. A lot of the times, if you leave a game before halftime like you did against the Raiders and you aren't able to come back in that game, you most likely are going to miss the game next week. But it's a good sign he's been limited the past two days in practice. At least he's trying to ramp things up and give it a go. But I'm not as optimistic about T.J. Watt as I am Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Ben has had a history of playing through injuries. TJ has not. And in terms of importance on, of the presence on the field, it's got to be Ben. If I had to pick one of these guys to be playing on Sunday, I need Ben Roethlisberger to be playing because right now uh, right now we, we see how, how exposed this defense could be without its starters, but that's without – four guys if you get back Devin Bush and you get back Joe Hayden then I think you're in good hands good enough hands against Joe Burrow a young offense and a very a very inexperienced coach in Zach Taylor I think Mike Tomlin is very capable of out coaching Zach Taylor on Sunday afternoon so if you have enough pieces on defense I think you're in good shape but I think you need Ben Roethlisberger out there and again this guy as you said, Tom, loves the attention. He 
Tomlin did say in his Tuesday press conference that it's going to limit his preparations, but he didn't really say much about limit his playing ability. I think maybe that's possible, but if that were true, Tomlin probably would have said something about that, and that would have been that would have caused a little more concern and and our foresight to know is he going to play on Sunday or not. But the fact that it's only going to affect his game prep, I think that leads to us to be, leads us to believe that he should be out there Sunday. And again, if I had to pick one of the two, I'm going to lean toward picking rather having Ben out there. I know TJ Watts, the highest paid defensive player. I know he's, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's on pace for defensive player of the year through those first two weeks. And that's, that's given that he was out for the entire second half of the record for the, for the Raiders game. He still had the strip sack. Exactly. And he had, I think another forced fumble that was recovered by, um, by Vegas, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he's on pace. He's hungry for that defensive player of the year. You can tell. I don't know, Tommy. You, you you're giving me like a weird look. It seems like you're you're dis- like you want to disagree with me. I, I think TJ Watt's more important than Ben Roethlisberger. And how crazy is that to say? Because you know, every other year in Ben's career, it's a no-brainer. No matter who is is injured on the other side of the ball, James Harris and Troy Polamalu, I'd say Ben Roethlisberger is the most important. You know why? Because when you lose guys on the defense. Big Ben can put up 35 points for you and win a game offensively. Not the case. That's this not year. the case this year, and I was gonna ask, especially if it, he's got have, a pec injury too. I was going to ask: Does it have more to do with TJ's performance or the lack of confidence in the offense? Lack of regardless confidence, regardless of Ben out there or not. Lack of yeah. confidence in the offense for sure. This defense is the engine that's going to drive this team. They beat an AFC championship contender, a Super Bowl contender, in their own building week one by making their offense look like a preschool offense because their defense was so dominant. And you can't sit here now in week three and say, well, maybe the Bills' offense just isn't that good. They put up 35 points on the Dolphins' head the next week. So it is that good of an offense. And the Steelers' defense is what's going to have to drive this team. So, yeah, for the first time in 18 years, it seems, I'm sitting here and I'm saying Big Ben's the second most important guy that they can get back. I think T.J. Watt is the most important piece of this machine. One thing about Ben that has me a little worried, too, Let's go back in the way back machine, but not go too far way back. Do you remember before the Cincinnati Finley game last year, Ben missed the entire week of practice because of COVID. He was on the COVID list, not getting COVID, but sure, exposed yeah. to COVID. Limited his preparation abilities, but wouldn't limit his action in the game. He didn't play his best game because he was limited in practice, and they end up losing to Ryan Finley. I'm not saying it's the same thing. I'm just saying I see a little bit of a parallel there. But back to TJ Watt. Man, it, See, the way I come down with it is if I could talk to the training staff and if they say, yeah, he can go this week, but there's a chance of re-injury. If he sits this week out against the Bengals, gives it a whole other week of rest, I'm confident in my medical professional opinion. He'll be fully healthy 100% ago for Lambeau week four against the Green Bay Packers. So if that's the information I'm getting, I shut Watt down again this week because that's too much of an important player to miss for a long term, to risk missing longer term. But if this is a, a case where the doc comes to me and said his groin's going to be in pain, but there's a 0% chance he injures it worse, I'm playing T.J. Watt for sure. And I, I, I hope, and I, I kind of am leaning towards number 90 is going to be out there on Sunday, but I would not hold your breath, Steeler Nation. I, I cannot agree with you more. If there's no threat of, a, of an extended injury here, then I'm playing T.J. Watt. 
And I think TJ is going to have the same mentality too. If he's if he's told that you're fine, you're just going to be in a little bit of pain, but this is as bad as it gets, then he's going to want to go out there and play. Well, enough about the injuries for the Steelers. We got to dive deep into the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll get into the Bengals offense, the Bengals defense. Pretty scary matchup at Heinz Field. A lot scarier than usual when Cincinnati comes to town. So we'll talk about that in our next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Opferman. Make sure you tune into the next one to learn all about the Bengals right here on Steelers Standard.